Welcome to Listening with Leaders. I'm Doug Noll, lawyer turned peacemaker. I teach executive leaders how to listen to emotions rather than words so that they can become the leaders everyone wants to follow. And I teach those same leaders how to be authentically present, available, and connected to their families, despite being insanely busy. I have learned that we are 98% emotional and only 2% rational. Learning how to listen to emotions is, in my experience, the foundational skill of life. Stick around to the end of the show, and I'll reveal how you can be on our next guest in 15 to 20 minutes. So let's get started. Nay Lynn, welcome to Listening with Leaders. You are with Website Closers, which we'll learn about in just a minute, and can be found at WebsiteClosers.com. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me, Doug. So, Nate, you do something that I had really never heard. I've seen a lot in my life, uh, but I had never really considered the idea that there are brokers out there, if that's what it could be called, that sell um, cloud-based properties like podcasts and websites and SAS stuff. And that's what you do. That's all I do. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, I'm I'm like a realtor, but I sell businesses and it's all software, SaaS, technology, e-commerce, pod, podcasts, content creators, blogs, you name it. Wow. Well, give us the backstory. How where all the, how how you got started and how you came to be doing this kind of business. Yeah, so it's 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 kind of an uh, a 20 years, you know, overnight success story. <laughs> I uh, I spent my tw- my 20s in real estate. I was buying and selling properties, buying and selling mortgages. I was very, tr- very uh, knowledgeable about how to do transactions. Um, I spent a little bit of time doing some corporate uh, freelance and consulting business, you know, process reengineering work. Um, and then I was trying to buy a business. I was actually trying to buy a supplement company and it didn't pass due diligence. The owner it was too actively involved in the business and it was too tied to his persona for me to be able to extract him from it. But I, I was so interested in the, uh, the the margins in the business, the you know mass market appeal of supplements that I started a company. And uh, it took about 11 or 12 months before it finally hit. And then all of a sudden, April of 2012, it sold a million dollars worth of supplements in like 15 days. And I sold out of everything I had. I, I broke all my fulfillment, my merchant processing. I blew everything up and uh, uh, ended up, you know, settling in 2012, making about $4.6 million in gross sales. I think I made about 80 grand in profit. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but I was hooked. I felt like I was a new age, like gold miner. I've hit it rich. And, uh, you know, in supplements, supplement millions. I actually I watched and and uh, watched this thing from Buck Risby and and this other guy about how to make millions selling supplements, and I was hooked. So I kept after it. The next year, sold about ten million dollars, and and actually made some good money that year. And and for the next several years, um, I started selling it. At one one point in time, we sold thirty six million dollars worth of supplements in twenty six. That's a lot of product. A lot of product, and. Um, that gave me a massive tax issue because in the in the world of high risk supplement sales, especially on subscriptions, which is what I was doing, you're oftentimes uh, having to hold a ten percent of your sales in in reserve, 
And so I was paying taxes on money I had not gotten in cash mm-hmm. and uh, had had a massive tax burden in 2016. I also sold some technology I built in 2016 to a shopping cart. And uh, so I had a confluence of things going on there. That was my first taste of mergers and acquisitions. Fast forward a couple of years, some life changes, a divorce, a move, and a couple other things uh, between here and there. I, uh, I met the founders of Website Closers, Jason Iran, at an event I was hosting. I used to host a lot of masterminds, and um, they were telling me that they've got tens of thousands of buyers of these supplement companies. This is in 2019. At this point in time, I had already closed down my supplement company. I, I, I sold my software but I, the supplement company was it kind of rode a wave and was going down. And uh, I learned, I, I knew then, I know way better now that these companies are cash flow companies. You sell them when they're going up, you don't sell them when they're going down. No one will buy them. And, uh, but they were telling me how many of these buyers there were in their marketplace. And I thought to myself, what, really? You're full of phooey. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I didn't do anything, but like probably six or seven months later, I contacted them again and, and started talking to them. And somebody else had, had told me they'd sold their business with website closers. And I was like, really? Wow, these guys must really be legit. And um, I ended up talking to them. I met them at another event. And uh, at that point in time, I had a large mastermind of e-commerce entrepreneurs that were, that were coming to events I was hosting. And they were telling me, listen, you can make a lot of money doing this. And I was like, really? That sounds kind of fun. Tell me more. And I ended up joining them as a corporate broker for about a year. I bought a franchise. Now I've got two associate brokers who work for me. And uh, I've sold $100 million worth of businesses. I've had over 25 transactions in the three years that we've been doing this. And uh, I love it. I'm doing it every day, all day, all night. And I've got seven active listings at any given point in time, sometimes as many as 17 and we sell 300 a year, uh, the whole website closers team. Wow. That's it's a, way bigger than you would imagine. Most people have no I idea know, there's I this much never going heard on. This before. I, I had no idea. I mean, Most it makes people have, sense when you think about it. Yeah. I mean, these businesses are easy. They're easy to transfer. That's the thing that's the beauty about this. You could be living in Houston with the, with the fulfillment company at a Denver and sell it to somebody in in Bangladesh, like they don't care, you know, and, or you could be running a media company out of Florida, and your team is totally remote, and somebody in New York can buy you. And especially since the pandemic, most, most companies, they've moved all their employees remotely, especially these lower middle market ones that almost nobody has an office anymore. So there's nobody saying like, oh, hey, I'm going to have to move to buy this company. It's almost never happens. Now they're all, these businesses are all operated through Gmail and, and, uh, and Twitter and, and Zoom. That's incredible. Um, Is it, is the broker, is the broker's business unregulated? Uh, it is in the lower middle market. When you start doing publicly traded deals, you got to get a broker dealer license. And in some states, you have to have a real estate salesperson's license. Like, I don't know what that means, but <laughs> in, in Florida, you have to be a real estate salesperson, a couple other states too. But in Puerto Rico, no licensing. None. None. Yeah. So you, how long have you been in Puerto Rico? I've been down here for two years now. I moved down here in June of 2021. And, uh, yeah, I had a I had a twenty five million dollar uh, business closing in October. I got down here in in early June so I could establish my residency. <laughs> Thank God. Um, but uh, yeah, that was uh, that was a killer killer transaction in year. For every million dollars worth of profit, 
40 grand worth of taxes is all you spend when you move to Puerto Rico. Wow. Yeah. So it's like the equivalent of a house, a a $300,000, $400,000 house in Texas. I would have spent on taxes had I stayed in Texas that year. Wow. Kids college tuition. Not that I'll send my kids to college, but yeah. Wow. What kind of fees do you get? I mean, is it typical like real estate where you're getting a percentage commission? Yeah. Yeah. So it's a percentage of the enterprise value of the business. It can be anywhere from 3% to 10% for small, small deals. They go up as high as 15%. Uh-huh. And and I presume, are there brokers on both sides of the deal usually? or, or is it- Not usually. Um, so website closers, we're, we're the sell side representatives only. Okay. Uh, occasionally a buyer has a buyer agent that they're paying them on their, on their own. But at the firm, we do have uh, like uh, my listings, I they're open to other brokers who have relationships with buyers, and I cut them in on my commission, so right. they they do get a piece of the action. Um, so in that case, yeah, there's kind of two brokers, but we're technically both representing the seller, not even the buyer at that point. And so if you if you went to the web website closers website, you'd see yeah. all you'd see all the listings. Yeah, there's thousands of them there. We've got a, over 100 listed uh, live right now. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. That, that's it's so funny to like to be able to talk with people about this. Like I, I meet people all the time, and they have no idea that this sorts of this sort of thing goes on. And these are, you know, quarter million dollar companies to twenty million dollar companies. We've got I've got one right now for thirty two million dollars. We've had uh, the biggest one I've personally have had was one hundred and ten million dollars. So most of these companies they just don't get that big. But a couple million bucks is a big company. Like that's still. That'll put some that'll put some cheese in your war chest. Like you can go after some real estate. You know, any of us that are read Rich Dad Poor Dad, like you can go get some big deals with a couple of million bucks. You can get after some apartment complexes or some shopping, you know, some shopping centers and some other stuff with you know three, five, ten million dollars when you when you sell one of these businesses. I think it's the best way, and that's I. I mean, I'm a rich dad, you know, poor dad uh, devotee, and I think this is the best way. This is how I see. So many people sock away a war chest of money, but then actually go get that passive income we all read about. Because right. most people's businesses don't become a passive income yeah. machine for them. No, no, no. mine never did. So, mine, none of mine are. But I'm, <laughs> and I'm a service professional. I provide a service too. So yeah, I'm quite active. So I'm I'm curious. As you looked at all these online businesses of all different types, um, are there any attributes that you see or characteristics that stand out that describe the successful online business from the everybody else? Yeah. The number one key factor is that over the trend of the last two to five years, uh, it is growing profitably. So it it has a profit. It's a profit first based company. So Uh, you have to figure out how to monetize your content or whatever it is. Absolutely. Your content, your product, your service, whatever it is, if you're not making a profit, you're not sellable, at least not in, in our, in our, on our marketplace. And, and there are so many different kinds of ways to make money online. What are you seeing if you push it through the, all the grass? How are, what's, what, what, what attributes do you see in people that are entrepreneurs that make them profitable as opposed to the 99 other people who are just losing their ass. Well, they they find a way to make their customer pay. Okay. <laughs> and, and they they make their customer pay a lot. 
Hmm. Um, this is not the startup world. This like people don't come to me like looking to raise seed capital, right. uh, looking to like, you know, looking for uh, angel investors or venture capital, that sort of stuff. I turn them away. They're worthless in right. the world of uh, lower middle market in, you know, investment. Um, we, it has to be at least two years old and they've got to be making at least a quarter million dollars in profit before any of our buyers will take notice. And the bigger, the better. But the key attributes for people are they're just getting down and dirty and getting and like and making sales. That's that's it. You know, I've I've been a member of entrepreneurs organization and a number of, you know, entrepreneurial, uh, you know, ventures. And everybody at those uh, at, at those organizations, they'll say until you make your first million bucks, the only thing you need to be focusing on is making your first million bucks. Right. right. So. Yeah, I think the the key thing is like people, I tend to be talking to folks that are mature in their life cycle of their professional career. And they're, if they're thinking about wealth management or tax strategies, or tax sheltering, estate planning, that's usually when they're thinking about me too. Like they're, they're thinking about what's the value of my business worth. And at that point, you know, they've, you know, they, they've done their grinding and hustling and they've gotten past like those, those early days of sales, which Unfortunately, that eats most people alive. Like it's right. it's few that make it to the you know multiple million dollars of sales range and are pocketing some cash. Right. Um, so, what kind of buyers come in to buy these businesses? What are they looking? Uh, all sorts of buyers. It's so interesting. We've got buyers that they're in some cases they're just accredited individuals. You know, they've they've made a couple million dollars. You know, I've got several of them that are corporate executives. They've made a couple million bucks, and they're burnt out. And they're traveling, road warriors, they're traveling all the time, you know, for some mega corporation, big petroleum company, something like that. And they're just burnt out, but they've got some incredible skill sets. They can manage massive teams and they're really logical and really, you know, procedural. And they're perfect for some of these businesses where the founder is really creative and the founder is like really inspiring. And but they're not very procedural. They're not very they're not very meticulous. So those buyers make great buyers for the one, two, three, four, five million dollar businesses. And they they borrow money from an SBA approved lender for 80% of the business. Mm. And they put down 20% like a house. And they buy wow. the business and they run it and they grow it and then they flip it. Wow. That's that's one group of investors. Uh, or buyers. And then another group could be strategic buyers. So if you're already in a media business, there's already a bunch of other media businesses out there and they're looking to expand their, their networks. And consolidate um, and take out the competition. Take out the competition, add some additional cash flow, expand their consumer base. Uh, that happens all the time. If it's uh, businesses that are selling a physical product, we have so many physical product aggregators and, and companies that are consolidating physical products. And, and they will look at the demographic of what your product is selling to. If it's women over 35 and they're also aligned with selling to women over 35, they're very interested. Wow. Could be men over 50. You know, the the big the 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 big demographics with pocketbooks, men over 50 and women over 35. There you go. <laughs> um, and then we've got institutional buyers. We've got family offices, hedge funds, private equity funds, private equity sponsors. So people who have sold businesses before and they've got a couple of million bucks and then they'll go to these private equity conferences and raise money. 
and they'll go and look for deals and then they'll insert themselves as the new operator owner of the business and then tag on some, uh, you know, lending partner, uh, you know, to the business. Those tend to be bigger deals. They're usually over $10 million. That's when the, the capital markets open up for, uh, for these types of deals, which it's, it's impressive. These businesses don't have any hard assets. They have no real estate. The only assets they usually have that's hard assets is inventory. And that's not a great asset. No. So these are very much cash flow centric uh, uh, transactions. The, the analysis and and the um, the the debt service is all analyzed on how much cash flow can the business make, and that's where what's lenders the, will step the in. And, upside? How, how much can it be scaled up? Yeah, yeah. How 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 can it get scaled up? You know, what's the profit potential of it? But most importantly, what's it <clears throat> what's it been doing? What's yeah. what's it been doing for me lately, right. and uh, and showing that track record. Wow. So what is it that's unique about you that's made you successful in this business? A couple of things that I'm I'm quite unique. Um, I have run multi million dollar e commerce businesses. Um, I've sold and exited software technology. Um, I have a ton of experience in in dealing with. Um, uh, dealing with transactions and the counterparties to transactions. And for a while, I had a stint as a relationship management uh, executive uh, with uh, with Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac back during the Making Home Affordable administration. So I was working as a liaison between the United States Treasury Department and the executives of Wells Fargo That's and cool. Bank of America wow. and GMAC before they became Ally Bank. And so I, I've, I've had a lot of, I've had a lot of sales experience. I've had a lot of door-to-door sales. You to buy foreclosures. So everything from like knocking on people's doors, getting them slammed in my face, or getting invited into their house and buying their house at their on their kitchen table, to working with United States Treasury executives and directors and 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 you know corporate executives at the largest financial institutions in the world in a relationship management role. Wow. So it's a lot of negotiation, a lot of communication, a lot of listening. Uh, Zan, my next question, how important is listening to you and your work? It is so incredibly important. I, my, I have fine-tuned my active listening skills to listen to what someone's saying, repeat back to them, give them feedback that I've heard what they've said, you know, ask them to clarify, you know, get more information, ask for more specificity, you know, try to understand what's the feelings behind it, what's the emotions behind it, what's the pain behind it, and then start to figure out what solutions can arise from that. I do that all day. Yeah. You run across a lot of people that don't know how to listen well, don't you? Everybody. <laughs> it's, Everybody. Kind of, it's kind of like it's pandemic, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's uh it's, it's it can be quite frustrating. Um, but what's what's really I found that's that's really cool is even just being one person of a group of four, five, six, as long as one person's listening, like we can still move the ball. Right. Right. And that's the secret. Um, I have a phrase I use when I, I, I teach and coach people on deep listening. I call call it listening other people into existence. And for me, the listening process is not only about just getting information from people, but it's validating them as a human being so that they feel deeply heard. And when feel, people feel deeply heard, it builds instant trust, loyalty, engagement, productivity, intimacy, and personal relationships.
really powerful. It's super powerful. And it's effective in, in all modalities of relationships. That's right. Romantic relationships, professional relationships, That's right. friendships, spiritual relationships, like That's all right. of them. That's why I say it's the foundational skill of life. And I, I mean, I, I, I had an epiphany about the skills that I teach back in 2005, but it wasn't until 2010 that I really acid tested them in the Prison of Peace project that I co-founded with my friend Laurel Coffer, where we were walking into California maximum security prisons training incarcerated people serving life and long-term sentences, how to be peacemakers and mediators to stop prison violence. Mm -hmm. And uh, they, we were successful at training them and they were successful at stopping the violence. We started in the largest, most violent women's prison in the world. And two years into the project, we got a letter from the warden unsolicited saying, you guys have really changed this prison. <laughs> so, I actually acid tested all these listening skills. That's the very first skill we teach them on the very first day is, is how, how, how to listen. And, and in this deep emotional listening called affect labeling that we teach. And um, that changed my life. And now I'm dedicated to teaching as many people as I can how to do this stuff. That's incredible. Thank you for your One service. more question. I'll let you go. What's the one thing about you, Nate, that we wouldn't know anything about unless you revealed it to us. You may not know that <clears throat> I am a student of transformation. Uh, I have uh, I have radically transformed my physical body, my emotional universe, my spiritual my spirituality. Uh, at one point in time, I was 360 pounds. I've done three Ironmans. Wow. Since then, um, at one point in time, I was destitute, bankrupt, divorced, depressed, and and now I'm affluent, happy, in a loving relationship, the best relationship of, of my life with my children, living in a Caribbean island, uh, by all means, looking at just the tropics and a beautiful life. So That's beautiful. It's censures up my back because I... I didn't. I didn't have the overweight problem, but I sure had a lot of other problems. So I, I understand the journey, and it's wonderful, isn't it? Especially it is incredible. When you can live a life of service to others too. That and that's the beautiful part too. I love what I do. I I've sold my own businesses. I have so much more passion and desire to help my clients sell theirs. I love providing for the family provider. There you go. And, and help guiding the family provider. And it's really meaningful to me. I've carved out a little, you know, nook of the universe where I can help people put away in and create financial literacy and financial freedom for themselves and their family. And I'm I'm blessed. Every time I do it, I get a video testimonial. People can go to Nate Lynn, the online business broker, and look at dozens of videos and testimonials from clients that I've literally changed their lives. In some cases, I've helped them retire. In other cases, you know, they told me they were on the edge of bankruptcy. And then I was able to pull out a multi-million dollar transaction for them. So I love that. Really fulfilling and satisfying. It's the best. Thank you so much for your time today, Nate. Thank you, Doug. Doug Knoll here. Thank you so much for listening to Listening with Leaders. If you are a successful executive leader who would like to be on this program, please visit podcast.dougnoll.com slash podcast. 
If you got something out of this interview, would you please share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on the social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag listeningwithleaders. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to my website, dougnoll.com, or follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. That's at Douglas E. Noel. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next show.